2: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
3: Megan was one of the most charitable people I knew. She was always so giving of herself. She was a kindergarten teacher. She was the most amazing mother. She was my little sister. But I really looked up to her.
4: She was very loving, caring, and the last of my three.
1: A bit of a daddy's girl? Yep. You know,
5: we were close. It was a Saturday morning. We walked in, and when we got to the dining room, we saw her laying on the floor. I thought she had slipped and fell. Then we saw the blood, and I uh, saw the gun kind of tucked against her leg.
4: I'm hollering, screaming, yelling at Steve to call 911. She was barely breathing.
5: I thought she had shot herself. I mean, I didn't see anybody else around. The next morning at 755, they pronounced her dead.
1: Pretty quickly the police declared it a suicide, then the medical examiner declared it a suicide. What was your reaction?
3: No way. Something's not right. I
5: knew something was wrong with this case from the start. Well, I knew she hadn't killed herself. I had blood splat on top of it. it was very
3: important. We were on the computer. Researching and learning about ballistics, about blood spatter. Blood spatter. The gun. I would expect if the barrel of a gun is up against someone's temple that there would be blood and hair on that barrel. And there is not. Completely
5: clean. Not even on the end of the barrel. No hair, no blood. The
1: state shuts you down. Oh, yeah. Sheriff shuts you down. Right. Coroner shut you down. Right. Thereby launches a years-long investigation, spearheaded by your husband.
3: Absolutely. He was our leader, and he kept us going. People thought we were just a grieving family. People thought he was just not able to move forward, and he just led us for nine years, still leading us.
0: 48 Hours listeners know to always expect the unexpected, including when home appliances break down. An American Home Shield warranty can restore your sense of security. It's simple. When a covered item in your home breaks, contact American Home Shield and their trusted and qualified pros will fix or replace it. Right now, you could take 20% off. Go to ahs.com slash 48 to save 20%. That's ahs.com slash 48 for 20% off any plan.
1: On a steamy summer morning in 2014 in the tiny southern town of Cottonport, Louisiana Steve and Missy Ducote faced the unthinkable
5: I wouldn't know how to tell you I've never felt
1: like that before or since The couple found their youngest daughter Megan lying on the floor of her living room
4: I had no idea what was
1: to become of all this The 29-year-old mother of two appeared to have been shot in the head.
5: It was a 357 Magnum gun with a 38
1: caliber bullet. Just one day earlier, Megan's parents and her husband, then 30-year-old Dustin Perra, had been dealing with the aftermath of a car crash.
4: Dustin called and said that Megan had been in an accident.
1: Megan was alone, driving down this stretch of road not far from home when she somehow careened off the road and hit a tree. Dustin grabbed their two young sons and rushed to the scene. So did Stephen Missy.
5: Cop said she was going about 45 miles an hour, wasn't on the phone,
1: had her seatbelt on. Megan had only minor injuries, but a state trooper was troubled by the fact that there were no skid marks.
4: He said that she had not
5: applied the brakes. Cop came and he asked me, would your daughter want to trying to hurt himself? Well, I
1: said, no, I don't I don't think so. But it was not clear whether Megan actually tried to stop the car. Missy says Megan told her she was distracted. She said she had
4: lost focus.
1: But Steve says Megan told him the brakes didn't work and that she hit that tree to avoid the bayou. However, the brakes were never tested. At the Avoyles Parish Hospital, where Dustin worked as a nurse, Megan was treated for a cut to her right hand. Once released, Dustin took his wife home while Missy and Steve kept their boys overnight. The next morning around 7 a.m., Megan sent her mother a text.
4: Hi, Mom, are are the boys okay? Are y'all okay? I called her and I told her that um, when the kids would get up and I had fixed breakfast, we would bring her breakfast and go check on her.
1: Anything sound unusual? Not at all. About an hour later, Missy says Dustin called her to say that Megan was going to take a bath while he went out to fill a prescription for her at the local Walmart.
4: He said he would pick up the kids on the way back. Well, an hour has passed by and he's still not here. And then I said, let's go. We, we need to go.
1: It was close to 10 a.m. when Steve and Missy arrived at their daughter's house with their grandchildren in tow. There they discovered Megan laying on the floor with blood pooling around her head.
4: She was still in the paper shirt from the hospital and underwear.
5: I grabbed the oldest boy. And when I leaned over to pick him up, I saw the gun kind of tucked against her leg.
1: Missy called her parents to pick up the kids. Steve called 911. Missy, a nurse practitioner, knelt beside her daughter and realized she still had a pulse.
4: She was breathing just barely, though. Steve called
1: Dustin.
5: I can't remember exactly if I told him Megan killed herself or Megan shot herself. And I said, where are you? He said, I'm in, man, sir. I just came through the
6: four-way stop sign.
1: Dave Blanchard was the first officer on the scene.
6: I entered the house, saw the victim on the floor, Mrs. DeCody was administering first aid to the head area.
1: Dustin arrived about 10 minutes later. He comes running in and then he
4: slides and he just catches the end of the blood.
1: After he slid, he
4: got up, he pushed the gun away.
1: Missy says Dustin then reached into a pocket in Megan's paper shirt. And he pulled out a picture. It was a picture of their boys. Dustin and Missy, both medically trained, worked to save Megan. Minutes later, paramedics arrived. That's when Officer Blanchard began documenting the scene.
6: I didn't want to interfere in him giving it first aid.
1: Megan was airlifted to a trauma center in Lafayette. The mayor of Cottonport drove Steve, Missy, and Dustin in his car. Back at the para home, Officer Blanchard continued to document the scene and collect evidence, including that gun which belonged to Dustin, Dustin's shorts, which were bloodied from that slide, and this note, which was discovered on the kitchen counter.
5: It says, tell the boys I love them, I'm sorry. That was it.
1: The morning after the shooting, as her parents struggled with how Megan could have taken her own life, Doctors told the family they had done all they could. That is when the decision was made to take her off life support. The next morning, Megan's organs were donated. Her body was transported to the medical examiner's office for an autopsy. That's when Dustin and the Ducote's headed for the Cottonport Police Department to meet with lead detective, Christopher Knight.
5: Well, Dustin went in first. He came back out and he raised his hand and said, I'm not a suspect. It was kind of shocking. Then Missy and I go in and, you know, Chris didn't, didn't ask us a whole lot. Wasn't much of an interview.
1: Steve and Missy say it was that day when they began to question everything about the investigation into their daughter's death especially when Detective Knight handed Dustin that note, presumably left behind by Megan, and Dustin debated what to do with it. He
4: said, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I think I'm just going to throw it away. I said, no, don't throw it away. We might need it later on.
1: The very next day, Steve says Detective Knight showed up at his home. He had some news for him.
5: He says, Mr. Steve, Megan's fingerprints were all over the gun. Dustin's were, too, but it's
6: his gun.
1: Steve's brother-in-law, Luke Welsh, was there.
6: Steve repeated to him, so the only fingerprints on the gun were for Megan and Dustin. And he said, that's it. That's the only ones. End of story. I said, well, she must have shot herself then.
1: But Steve would soon learn that what he says Detective Chris Knight told him was not true. The gun that killed Megan had not been tested at all. That was a major turn in the story. Yes, that's one of the
6: major turns. This thing goes 360 degrees a lot.
7: If you're a fan of 48 Hours or true crime, looking to try on a case of your own, June's Journey is for you. A thrilling hidden object mystery game set against the backdrop of the 1920s, you play as June Parker, an amateur detective trying to unravel your sister's mysterious murder. As you dive into a world filled with twists and turns, trust no one. Every character could be hiding secrets. While you piece together the intricately woven plot, you'll collect crucial information in your photo album, turning suspicions into facts. And if you want help on the case, you can even join a detective club to collaborate or compete with fellow sleuths on hundreds of puzzles. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
8: That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes.
3: Talk about starting the morning right.
8: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah.
1: Three weeks after Megan Perez's death, an autopsy report declared her cause of death to be a gunshot wound to the head. The manner of death was suicide. The report said Megan tested negative for sedatives and that the gun was in direct contact with her temple when it went off.
3: So much life to live and
1: love to give. Megan's uncle, Luke Welch, says the medical examiner confirmed Detective Chris Knight's theory that Megan had shot herself. Because remember, according to Knight, Megan's fingerprints were found all over that gun. With that information coming from Chris, I think
6: there's no doubt it's a suicide.
1: Detective Knight denies ever saying he tested that gun. And just four days after the shooting, he closed his investigation and summarized it in this one-page report. According to the evidence collected, statements from family and the doctors' report, this investigation shows Megan Parra did in fact commit suicide.
3: The only doctors' reports we had were Lafayette General.
1: Yeah, but Lafayette General was not doing any kind of forensic exam no, on her. No, no. Betsy, who was pregnant with her first child at the time, says Megan had been planning her baby shower.
3: Two days before she died. She asked me what
1: color balloons I wanted. Megan was also just months away from getting a master's degree. She had her eye on becoming a school principal. Steve says the more he thought about his daughter's death, the less it made sense. I
5: never shot a gun, never fought with a gun. Wouldn't have known how to hold a gun.
1: He says there's also no way that Megan would have shot herself, knowing that he, Missy, and her boys would discover her that way. She'd never do something like that. But Megan was found behind locked doors. There was no evidence of forced entry. So if she didn't kill herself, who pulled the trigger? Did you start to believe that Dustin shot her? Yes. And tried to cover it up? Yes. There were questions about Dustin's alibi. Betsy says he told three different stories to three different people about where he was when Steve called him. But according to Megan's family, Detective Knight never resolved those conflicting stories.
3: There were so many things that were not done.
1: Knight also never followed up on reports that Dustin may have been having an affair. Did Megan ever talk to you about trouble they were having in the marriage? She didn't. Did you ever ask her?
3: I didn't, and I feel like that's one of my biggest regrets.
1: Steve fears that in the days leading up to Megan's death, the couple may have been fighting. And something in the autopsy report haunted him.
5: It indicated she had some bruises in the abdomen and chest area.
1: What do you think happened that morning
5: she
3: was shot?
1: I think she was leaving him. Steve says around the time he was becoming increasingly concerned about Detective Chris Knight's investigation, an investigator for the district attorney's office told him there was no way Detective Knight had fingerprinted that gun in just two days
5: Uh uh-uh steve it takes me with a rush on it about 14 days then i knew knew what well i knew she hadn't killed herself then
1: but by then the gun was no longer in evidence with detective knight's permission it had been returned to dustin
5: they gave him the gun back before the coroner ever ruled
1: steve says he begged local authorities to just hear him out, but no one would listen. Until four months later when a local judge agreed to help.
2: Steve Decody convinced the judge that there was something to look at.
1: Dan Schaub was commander of the criminal investigations unit at the Avoyles Parish Sheriff's Office. That judge asked Schaub himself to review the case.
2: First thing I did was, uh, you know, talk to uh, Steve, see what his
5: concerns were. We started working on things, and boy, he was working.
1: Unfortunately, says Schaub, there wasn't much to work with. Here, there was not even basic Detective
2: 101 that was done by Chris Knight.
1: Schaub says his hands were also somewhat tied by Steve Ducote, who prevented him from accessing certain evidence, like Megan's cell phone.
2: At that point, Dustin had the cell phone, and he did not want to ask Dustin for her cell phone.
1: According to Steve, Dustin and the boys were living in Steve and Missy's house at the time. And he didn't want his son-in-law knowing they were investigating him. So Steve says he asked Shab not to talk to Dustin until they had more evidence. I wanted to be sure. Why not at least call the husband? Not to go after him, but to say hey, listen, just wanna ask some questions so I can button some things up. It's real easy. I, I did it out of
2: respect for, for the Dakota family.
1: Rather than go against Steve Ducote, Schaub steered clear of Dustin Para. Instead, he reviewed Chris Knight's one-page report, examined 115 photos taken by Officer Dave Blanchard, and he talked with two witnesses who had not been interviewed, neighbors, who each thought they heard what sounded like a gunshot that morning, but at two different times. The neighbor on the right told Schaub she heard a very loud boom a little after 7 a.m., but the neighbor on the left told Schaub he was certain he heard a gunshot about two hours later.
2: He was still in bed, and he wasn't sure of the time. He supposed around 9.15.
1: Schaub says the neighbor to the right wasn't sure if what she heard at 7 a.m. was actually a gunshot. So he created a timeline based on what the other neighbor reported hearing. Then the question became, could Dustin have even been home at 9.15 a.m.? Dustin arrives at Walmart at 8.53 a.m. A A state trooper told Commander Schaub that he saw Dustin at an intersection not far from that Walmart just before 9 a.m. Chris Knight never had Walmart surveillance footage subpoenaed to verify Dustin's alibi. But Schaub found the next best evidence. A time-stamped receipt. Dustin signs for scripts at Walmart at 9.43 a.m. Okay, yeah. So based on this timeline from you, there's no way Dustin could have been at the house when the shot was fired. That's a, 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 a reasonable conclusion, yes. On January 15th, 2015... Dan Schaub released his eight-page report, also concluding that Megan died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Steve did not buy Dan Schaub's timeline, which he had based on the neighbor who reported hearing a gunshot around 9.15 a.m. But Schaub's report ended up being a gift. Steve Decody now had those 115 photos taken the morning of Megan's shooting. And his investigation was about to ramp up.
5: This, you know, caught everybody's attention.
9: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car.
1: Commander Dan Schaub's conclusion, that Megan Para likely shot herself, was yet another blow to the Dakota family's theory, that she may have been murdered by her husband, Dustin. But Schaub's report did provide some valuable clues, says Steve Dakody. That report came with some blurred pictures. So Steve tracked down the officer who took the photos, Dave Blanchard. And it turns out, he still had the originals. He never deleted them from his camera.
10: Why did you save them? Because it was evidence. I
11: don't know, it stuck out, suspicious. He thought that there were some things that weren't resolved in the investigation.
1: Blanchard gave the digital images to the Avoyles Parish District Attorney, Charles Riddle. And Riddle shared them with an insistent Steve. I said, I'm not leaving without those pictures. Did you go through all the photos? Yes. Steve and his daughter Betsy began studying those 115 photos from the day Megan was shot.
3: And I've had a lot of people ask me, how could you look at those crime scene photos of your sister? Yeah. And I'd say, she'd have done it for me.
1: Betsy says she also spent hours on the internet studying blood spatter patterns. Because something about the blood around Megan just didn't look right to her.
3: You can see the blood spatter where it should have been on the exit wound side. It's actually on the entrance wound side and there's no spatter on the exit wound.
5: There's always more exit wound blood than entry wound blood.
1: Steve was beginning to believe that his daughter had been rolled over after she was shot. Also troubling to him was that seemingly clean gun, Dustin's gun.
5: People all said blood should have been all the way up here.
1: To Steve, it appeared that the gun had been wiped clean. Then there was that picture of Megan's boys that Dustin discovered in her pocket. Steve believes it was Dustin who put it there in the first place.
5: If you're gonna make it look like suicide, you're gonna do things like that.
1: Steve also thinks Dustin planted the alleged suicide note and firmly believes it was not even written by his daughter.
5: She never wrote in solid print. She write mixed, print, script, print, script, in the same word.
1: Some of the photos revealed clues of a struggle, says Steve. Like this wine rack found behind a chair and this guitar lying on the floor. I think they were fighting. Several months later, Steve Decody circled back to District Attorney Riddle and showed him some of the photos that concerned him.
11: And as I looked at it, I kept saying, this can't be what was found to be a suicide.
1: Riddle says he tried to get the sheriff's department to take another look at the case
11: but they refused. The local police department really didn't have the capacity, so we tried to get state police to look into it, and they didn't seem to be interested.
1: So Riddle went to then-Avoyles Parish Coroner, Dr. LJ Mayu, who had issued Megan's death certificate. Based on the medical examiner's report, Mayu had classified Megan's death a suicide. Riddle tried to get him to change it to undetermined.
11: Why did you want that? So that we could open up an investigation. And we started showing him some of the photos. And uh, he said, hey, I'm convinced that we, it ought to be reopened.
1: Dr. Mayu reviewed Detective Chris Knight's one-page report. What do you know about Chris Knight's investigation of this death? Sloppy and very questionable. Mayu says he found out that Chris Knight had not even attended Megan's autopsy. But the former coroner admits that his office also didn't conduct much of an investigation. Did you ever interview the husband? No, sir. Why not? Uh, we couldn't find him. Did
6: you try calling him? Yes. No answer. In
1: 2017, District Attorney Charles Riddle sent this letter, written by Dr. Mayu, to the Louisiana State Police, requesting a review of the case. In the letter, Mayu wrote, I was informed that there were photographs which I had not seen, and many questions are unanswered. The state police did agree to look at the case. What came of that? The state police found no evidence
10: to overturn the initial findings.
1: By now, Dustin had moved on. He married his second wife and they were raising Megan's sons.
5: Right there, that little space. But Steve
1: Ducote could not move on. Right there, that... And he called an old high school buddy for help. David Lemoyne, a highly respected FBI agent who is now retired and living in Nebraska.
5: What'd you tell him? I said, I need some help. I need to find out who did it.
1: In 2018, more than four years after Megan was shot, David Lemoyne flew to Cottonport to spend time with his brother, Peter Lemoyne, and to take a meeting with Steve DeCote. Steve asked his old friend to review a binder filled with photographs and documents, says Peter Lemoyne.
10: He came to my house that night, spent hours and hours just sifting through the evidence. And by the next morning, he went to Steve's house and said, your daughter was murdered.
1: What do you make of the family's determination to get answers? See more evidence from the case at 48hours.com.
7: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So... What makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
12: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
10: As long as my brother is in this case, you're going to be okay.
1: Peter Lemoyne remembers the day in 2019 when his brother, former FBI agent David Lemoyne, came out of retirement. Determined to help Steve Decody get to the bottom of his daughter Megan's death.
10: Once David Lemoyne knew that that girl was killed, nothing was going to stop him. He was fired up when he called me.
1: Zach Shelton got a call from his friend and fellow retired FBI agent asking for help.
6: And when I reviewed the file, there was something there. There was no doubt in my mind that we were headed in the right direction.
5: I had no help, very little help. Then I had the best I could ever get.
1: But to dig into the case, the former FBI agents needed new badges. So they turned to one of the only local law enforcement officials willing to help.
6: It's great to see you.
1: At the time, Ernest Anderson was Cottonport's police chief. He agreed to reopen the case and to deputize David LeMoyne and Zach Shelton.
6: And he swore us in as Cottonport police officers. And that gave us the authority to, to look into it.
1: Then assistant police chief Justin Chenevere asked to be assigned to the case. He strapped on his body cam and helped two seasoned investigators interview witnesses.
2: Go ahead, state your name. Christopher
1: White. On January 15th, 2019, the original detective on the case agreed to talk. By then, a police officer in a neighboring town. Chris Knight said that on the day of the shooting, he felt overwhelmed and called for backup. Among others, Chad Johnson, a well-known detective and blood spatter expert, showed up. And Knight says Johnson told him it was clear. Megan had shot herself.
3: When the body was positioned
10: and the blood splatter in the gun, that it actually was a suicide.
1: But on a recorded interview... Okay, we're on the record. Johnson disputed Knight's account.
12: What Detective Knight basically wanted to know was, could I determine if this was a suicide or not? I said, no, it's not that simple.
1: Jansson says he told Detective Knight that the scene was badly contaminated. And he advised Knight to investigate closely until he could rule out homicide. But Knight admits he never sent the gun out for testing.
12: Why off. I do
1: And said he had never fully examined the evidence.
7: Because I looked at it as a suicide and a homicide. If I botched this, you yeah. know then, I mean, I'll take the butt. my fault, you know? But was it done on
1: purpose? Absolutely not. Chris Knight repeatedly refused our request for an interview, but did send this written statement, which reads in part, I was a young, inexperienced investigator, and would I do some things differently today? With the training and experience I now have, absolutely. Zach and David were now working hard to do better and did something Knight never had. Go ahead and state your name Dustin Para. They questioned Dustin Para extensively for more than an hour.
11: Yes, Are going on, any not, not anything that a normal married couple would go through.
1: Dustin said that in the weeks leading up to her death, his wife had seemed depressed and obsessed with the question of where young children go when they die.
12: In the middle of the night, she'd come waking me up. I can't stop thinking that my kids wouldn't go to heaven if something happened to
5: them. the only one said that. She never mentioned it to anybody.
11: What never made
6: sense to me is if he thought she was going to commit suicide, there was no way he would have left his wife alone to go to Walmart.
1: And what about those rumors of infidelity?
11: Did you have affairs? Yes. How did she know about it? To my knowledge, no, because she didn't question me.
1: Also troubling to David and Zach was the way Steve Decody described Dustin, sliding into Megan's blood. He came running
5: in from the garage door. He gets in a baseball slide position and he slides.
12: I slipped in a pool of blood at her, at around her head.
1: Dustin said it was an accident, but Zach Shelton did not buy that.
6: But what better thing to slide in right ahead in the blood and disrupt the crime
1: scene? Dustin was also asked about the alleged suicide note, which David and Zach were now convinced had been planted by Dustin himself. somebody, Somebody planted this note after she died. Who could that have
6: been? I really don't
1: Dustin, Dustin. repeatedly denied having anything to do with Megan's death or any sort of cover-up. I feel like that's why I think me. You need to come clean, and you need to say we got in a fight, and maybe she grabbed the gun first. Maybe she shot herself in front
11: of you. I don't know, but you were there. When she was shot, I was not there.
1: David Lemoyne pushed so hard that Dustin abruptly ended the interview.
6: Nine guys, In that moment, I'm thinking he's definitely involved. See, this is early on.
1: Zach and David also interviewed Ann Guillory, the neighbor who thought she may have heard a gunshot early that morning.
9: A little after 7 a.m., I heard a boom, a live boom.
1: And you clearly heard it.
9: Oh, yes. It was very loud. So I said to myself, oh, my gosh, that was a loud noise.
6: We also heard have a guy on the left side that said he had a, heard a gunshot around 9.20, but he wasn't sure if it was a gunshot.
1: Zach Shelton and David Lemoyne were convinced that Ann Guillory, the neighbor to the right, heard the shot that killed Megan a little after 7 a.m., leaving Dustin plenty of time to shoot his wife and cover up his crime, then drive to Walmart. But their case was purely circumstantial until a forensic expert hired by Steve Decody discovered what he believes to be the physical evidence connecting Dustin to the shooting.
4: Puts him there. Puts him there when my daughter was shot.
12: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
9: It was now 2020,
1: and Zach Shelton and David Lemoyne were feeling confident about the case they were building against Dustin Para. Then says Peter Lemoyne as COVID hit the U.S., the deadly virus killed Peter's brother David on December 28, 2020.
10: I made up my mind at that very time that uh, I was going to finish what he started.
3: Mr. Peter just literally picked up where Mr. David left off.
10: Just like that, okay?
1: Zach Shelton and Steve Decody now had a new partner, a highly respected local attorney. Went to
5: work on it as hard as any human could have worked on it, you know.
1: Peter says his main job, was to keep their case in front of District Attorney Charles Riddle.
10: In an effort to make sure that he was aggressively prosecuted. What he told me was, we need more.
1: So Steve Decody asked the Jefferson Parish Crime Lab to examine the evidence and check for suspicious blood spatter on Dustin's clothing. The lab found no evidence of murder or any evidence Dustin was there when the gun went off. But Steve was still convinced that Dustin had shot Megan and had purposely slid into her blood to cover up any incriminating spatter. So, in April of 2021, Steve hired an independent crime scene analyst named Eric Richardson. Can you show me the blood spatter?
6: Yeah. Okay. So, when you look close, you see these very, very small misting pattern right here all that
1: richardson examined photos of the shorts worn by dustin para and he honed in on a fine mist of blood right under this pocket flap it's a pattern he says can only be caused by high velocity blood spatter from a gunshot wound
6: it told me that dustin was there when that gun was discharged into uh, megan's head you sure positive.
3: It was concrete, concrete evidence. We proved he was in the
10: room next to her. We know that it was his gun. The only explanation is
1: that he killed her. Eric Richardson also agreed that the gun looked like it had been wiped clean. On October 13th, 2021, Charles Riddle took the case to a grand jury. Six minutes after you present it to the grand jury, they come back with a charge of second-degree murder. Dustin was arrested, pleaded not guilty, and was released on bond. Based on the blood spatter that Richardson found on Dustin's shorts and the charges, the medical examiner revised Megan's autopsy report and changed the manner of death from suicide to undetermined. Charlie Riddle prepared for a now nearly nine-year-old case to go to trial. We believe she was shot about 7.30. You think he left her there while she was still alive? Oh, I know he did. (laughs) Yeah. But it was not an open and shut case, says Riddle. He says experts from the state police and the Jefferson Parish Crime Labs were going to be called by the defense and told him they would be testifying that the blood spatter on Dustin's shorts did not prove he was present when the gun went off. And then there was Megan's note to her son's. A handwriting expert hired by Steve Ducote was going to testify that it was most likely written by Megan. But Charlie Riddle says he was prepared to argue that it was not a suicide note.
11: I thought that she was just leaving him.
1: There was also the difficulty of proving what time Megan was shot. Where Dustin was when it happened and how long Megan could have been lying on the floor before Steve and Missy discovered her still alive. You know the damage it did to her brain, right? Oh, God, yes. I'm surprised she was still alive, yes. What could you see the defense making hay of successfully?
6: They were gonna make hay over the accident the night before. They were gonna say that she tried to commit suicide the night before.
1: On Friday, March 24th, 2023, just three days before Dustin Perra's murder trial was set to begin, Charlie Riddle says his phone rang. I get a call from the
11: defense attorney. He said, well, I wanna offer a plea, negligent homicide.
1: Negligent homicide in the state of Louisiana is not defined as a crime of violence and only carries a sentence of up to five years.
10: David, it was an awful deal. If all you're gonna get is negligent homicide, you're not risking much at all by going to trial.
5: I was concerned that he could walk away a free man, never clear her name for those boys, then they'd never know the truth.
1: The Dakotis said they would agree to a deal, but only if Dustin answered some very specific questions. On March 26, 2023, Dustin Para pleaded nolo contendri or no contest to negligent homicide. And Charlie Riddle got to question him on the stand. Riddle read to us from the record
11: Your marriage to her was a struggle for the last couple of months of her life, correct? Answered by Para, yes, sir. On the morning of June 28, 2014, you and her were arguing and she threatened to leave, correct? Para, yes. I'm not contesting as part of the NOLO contender plea. You had a pistol in your hand and in the struggle, the gun went off firing into her head, correct? Answer, yes, I'm not contesting as part of the NOLO contender plea. We wanted to make sure that he admitted that he shot her and it was not suicide.
5: To us as a family, him admitting to that, that was huge.
4: We all
1: weren't done. What was the last and next thing you wanted to do?
4: Get those boys.
1: Dustin had full custody of his and Megan's sons, and he'd had it for nearly nine years. They lived with him and his new wife. You wanted full custody? Full custody. Stripping him of his rights?
4: Full custody.
1: And you got it? And we got it. On April 20th, 2023, Missy and Steve Decody were granted full custody. Seven days later, we were there when Dustin and his wife arrived at the sheriff's department so that Dustin could turn himself in. Dustin, we tried to reach you. I wanted to get your side. I wanted to hear from you. People are gonna watch this and they see your silence. Silence is all you're leaving us with. Dustin never said a word. I do wonder what you think Megan would say to you at the conclusion of all of this, if she could.
5: She'd say, take care of those boys. And probably say thanks for not giving up.
4: blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, but they will be satisfied. Am I satisfied if I know Meg's okay up there alongside Jesus and all the angels, but in my heart, she'll be forever twenty-nine.
7: Join me Tuesday for Postmortem from 48 Hours, where we'll dive even deeper into today's episode
0: and answer your questions about the case. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Join me, 48 Hours correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the secrets within families, Cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved. Enjoy My Life of Crime on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on Wondery Plus.
1: The Hargan women seem to have it all.
0: From the outside looking
3: in, we were blessed. My mom
1: was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household.
9: Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen
1: I'm Peter Van Sant from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker The Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker The Hargan Family Killings wherever you get your podcasts.